First, we start with Sri Lanka, the tier, teardrop-shaped island nation of 23 million people located just south of India. The country has been in the throes of an economic meltdown. A mass protest movement erupted in April, and on July 10th, thousands of demonstrators took over the presidential palace. They sent the country's leader, Godabaya Rajapashka, fleeing into exile. In now iconic images, the protesters were seen taking selfies on the president's canopied bed and splashing in his private swimming pool. The Indies Ambagagarian has been following this story and was in touch with Sri Lankan protesters in the capital city of Colombo as recently as this morning. Ambo, what have you learned? Well, John, that's right. I've been in touch with people for the past uh, three days or so, and this is the first time I've interviewed people who are really right in the middle of this kind of massive countrywide uprising, which is extremely exciting, honestly, and inspiring. But there's also a lot of uncertainty about what comes next. Um, we'll talk about all of that, but first, let's go to some footage I have from some of the people I've spoken with, Yathev Bala, who is a medical student in Colombo, we'll hear from first. Then we'll hear some sound from the presidential palace and people swimming in the pools there. And the second person we'll hear from is Hiran Yada, a young university lecturer and protester. <laughs> Sri Lankans have been wanting for a very long time. Okay. So uh, the Rajapakshas who came into power, actually, uh, it was more like a family rule. Uh-huh. They had all their families into power. Yeah. All the, basically, the entire family was in power. So, uh, you know, like, corruption is at its highest peak when you have an entire family ruling over and taking up most of the major posts in the government do have a treasure, right? Yeah. So, they, they lost it when, you know, like, when all the people, like this, you know, you name the classes, all the people from all social classes were equally affected by this. Right. Crisis. So that, yeah, so, it, it, there was no, you know, difference from the people who got into the, onto the roads, because the poor, the rich, you know, the educated, the uneducated, all of them got onto the streets because they couldn't take it anymore. Wow. There were doctors on the streets, there were engineers on the streets, there were trivial drivers on the streets, there were fishermen on the streets because the crisis just affected everyone equally. Whether they had money or not, there were still no products in this country. See, the Sri Lankans are not really dumb. And this this moment had almost, as I said, told you, like all the educated and the uneducated people were there. The lawyers were there on, as frontliners. The priests the, for the, the churches were there. So the nuns were there on the front line. Right. So uh, basically what I'm trying to tell you is like, you know, they made sure that this struggle was always peaceful. The news spread throughout the country and people were asked to come gather on the 9th of July to show them that, you know, it's three months and you're still wanting them to leave. Okay, got it. And, and yeah, so this we thought would not be practically possible because, you know, three months later, people are still having to like move on with their lives because they need to find money for their families. Right. But surprisingly, the entire country was there on July 9th. Wow. They gathered outside the Colombo uh, presidential secretariat, and that crowd was massive. The end, you know, all the railway stations were filled with people. Wow. So if you like actually Google, you'll see people coming into Colombo from various parts of Sri Lanka through buses, through 
during an economic crisis which had no petrol there is no fuel in any of these petrol stations but you know the the railway uh, association decided to run the trains from other parts of the country to Colombo to show their support so this is basically it's 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 what just like the what the name of name says it's a it's a people struggle people decided you know go to hell with this we are doing this this is for the people cops who yeah there were, there were cops who came out to the side of the people like in nice. the middle of this protest they'll just you know throw away everything that they had and they'll just start walking around with the people something very interesting I experienced in the first few days uh, was that uh, so I mean when you do go around like cat calling is such a thing like this become such and the first few days I didn't like me and like a lot of friends also noticed that we didn't get cat called at all which was like really weird nice we thought like wow is this really the world we are you know trying to like create which is amazing Right. So those were sounds of the Sri Lankan uprising. First, you heard protesters jumping into the the pool at the presidential palace. Uh, And then at the end, we heard from Hira Nyanda, and she was talking about the lack of catcalling in the occupation sites, which um, we'll talk a lot about um, soon. But basically, just for some context, since 2022, the country has experienced an intense economic crisis, which most of the people blame on the Rajapaksha regime, regime, which you heard um, Yatev speaking about earlier, and, and this regime's thoughtless programs, such as lifting taxes on the rich, without planning any other source of revenue, um, making all of the farmers change to organic fertilizer quite literally overnight, which resulted in a very major crop loss, um, a major misuse of funds from international sources, and a fuel shortage as a result of all of this, and also notably the Russia-Ukraine war, which has resulted in 10 to 12-hour day um, 10 to 12 hour power outages a day. Um, and this was the sort of situation, you know, uh, in the early part of 2022 and leading up to mid April when the protests really exploded and, um, a, an encampment in the capital of Colombo, um, formed. And you'll see in the videos, um, of the Sri Lankans not only jumping in the pool, but kind of wandering about the house, um, you'll see them scrutinizing the luxuries in this mansion, really comparing that air condition, conditioned space to their hot, often dark homes. Right. Now, can you tell us more about the organizing that is going on the, the ground right now, including these uh, 24-7 Occupy, Occupy-style encampments that have been set up in all corners of the country and not just in the capital city? Right, absolutely. So um, the first occupation, as I just said, uh, started um, or formed um, in mid-April uh, when these protests started to really kick off. The people, as you heard uh, um, um, Yatev say, the people have a threshold. So that's when the threshold was broken. Um, and people, um, you know, fed into Colombo and started having these protests. And it's funny because uh, Gotayaba Rajapashka, who was still the um, prime minister and the president, sorry, at the time, actually created this this area in Colombo for protests. And the people were like, 
F that. And they overtook it and created this village, this occupation that many who are listening, who have participated in the occupation at City Hall or Abolition Park or in uh, the obviously the Occupy occupation of of 2011, um, you will. It, it sounds from from speaking to the people that I spoke with who have been there at the encampment. It sounds very similar. You have people's libraries. You have food coming in, being donated from all sources. You have huge protest signs from all these different factions. Um, education, music, planning, and these are called Gota Go Gamas. And so Gota Go means Gota Get Out. Gota Yaba, the, the the president who fled, and Gama is a village. So there's one principal one there. And it's interesting, the, the one I've been speaking about is the principal one. It's actually on right next to, um, it's called the Gale Face Stretch. And it's a piece of land that that China just took a 99-year lease out on to uh, uh, build, you know, hotels and, and development and, and also do trade. So obviously, this is, a, this is a stance from the protesters to be right there. But that's not the only one. There's another large one in Colombo, the capital, as well as all over Sri Lanka. So many towns have these Gota Gogamas and people, it's like people can participate in this pretty much, you know, nonviolent method of protest in these outposts all around the country. Not only that, for each prof of the 24 provinces, there are different, um, they call them telegram groups, but communication groups that handle the communication all around the country of the protesters. Um, so it's, it's quite That's inspiring. Yeah. And, and people find the solutions uh, that they need. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit more about this movement? Uh, it, I understand it has many different components. And also, uh, what are the choices the country faces uh, moving forward? Right. Okay. So the it is really a mass people's movement. It is called the Aratalaya, which means a mass people's movement. Again, you heard our speakers say that there are people from literally every sect of society out there. The cops, some cops have even abandoned post. So that's really a beautiful and what is needed, um, I think, for a power change in a country. But uh, within, for example, the main Gota Gogama, the main occupation, um, there are tons of factions, right, of different groups, everything from pro-military to anti-military to um, socialists to neoliberals, uh, uh, LGBTQ groups, all these ethnic groups, right? I mean, there's the Tamil people who faced a genocide. There is uh, many Buddhists in Sri Lanka. So there's a lot of <laughs> ethnic um, sort of conflict going on. So there's people from really sort of every faction. I think the main people sort of, doing some of protest mechanism has been socialist student groups and groups on the left that for a lot have been fighting for um, free education to maintain free education in Sri Lanka for a long time. And we're seeing what I've understand from talking to all people I've spoken to is that in general, those leftist student protesters have been seen as a nuisance in recent years. And now the general public is actually giving them much credit because they're realizing that they're the ones who have protest tactics and know how to deal with tear gas and all of this stuff. So, um, but what that means for the country is, uh, is very unknown, actually. So there's the interim president right now who was, um, very close with the Rajapaksha family and he's one of three uh, candidates that will be voted on tomorrow for a potentially two-year inter interim presidential um, period. None of the candidates, the two prominent candidates, are both supported by the Rajapaksha family 
associates, essentially. So real protesters who want a ton of change don't have much faith in this. Everyone is holding their breath to see what's going to happen tomorrow. Will there be another huge protest at the encampment? Um, we'll see. Follow up with us. I'm going to we're going to be putting together a story in our upcoming issue of The Independent. So uh, we are really excited to uh, hear what's what's going to be happening there. Right. Well, we're, we're glad that you're following the story, Amba. And uh, we're going to take a short music break here. And when we come back, uh, we'll uh, have some coverage from on the ground here in New York, where the mayor tried to launch some more uh, anti-homeless sweeps uh, this morning. Oh, my God. 